Welcome to Marvel's Voices. I'm your host, Angelique Roche, and today we have another creator-led conversation and a couple of notable firsts. Now, first up, I gotta say, we have the amazingly talented Marika Hashimoto, who is in the host chair today. You know, Marika is associate editor for Marvel.com, where she works on web pages for movies, TV, character profiles, pages, articles, games, and comics. And she is my partner in crime for the Marvel's Voices essay series that we've been doing for the last two years. And I couldn't be more excited to be handing over the host chair to her today. Welcome to Marvel's Voices. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm so proud to be working on the essay series with you. Oh, yo, it's been a journey. And, you know. I've gotten a chance to really get to know you and learn about your Marvel origin story. And we've kind of chatted a little bit about our love of libraries and my dad being a librarian, you know, but a lot of folks don't know there is such a thing as a Marvel library. And that's where you got your start here. So tell us a little bit about what it was like and what that entails, you know, working in the Marvel library. Absolutely. Well, you know, I can talk about libraries with you forever, but I was in library school when I applied for the Marvel internship, and I was thrilled when I got the chance to maintain Marvel's in-house archive of comic books. And besides taking care of the stacks, I was also in charge of cataloging the many, many new comics that are published each week. And then as I was wrapping up my internship, I heard that Marvel was relaunching their website for Marvel.com. So I became the digital coordinator for the relaunch project. And soon after that, I joined the editorial team for digital media at Marvel. And I'm so glad you did because it has been so incredible getting a chance to work with you. And I honestly have to say, you are the perfect person for today's assignment because we're about to hear someone's very first podcast interview. And while I would love to tell everyone, I feel like you deserve the honors. So who are we going to be speaking with? So we're speaking with creator Peach Momoko, who joins us from her home in Japan. Peach is a talented artist, and her comic work is so instantly recognizable with her beautiful watercolors. She's known for creating Marvel's Demon Days, a Marvel universe reimagined through Japanese folklore and traditions, otherwise known as the Momokoverse. And Demon Wars number one just came out this past August with writer Zach Davison. We are going to hear a really cool and diverse conversation today that includes um, a lot of your insight because you are Japanese-American. Um, I am. You know, you grew up in the States, but you also travel back and forth and have family back in Japan. Like, so talk to me a little bit about, you know, getting a chance to have this conversation. Like, are there any things you're excited to learn? I'm just psyched that I'm going to get to talk to somebody about comics in Japanese. I mean, I lived in Japan for 10 years and then I came back uh, to go to library school. But uh, since I came back, you know, it's it's always fun to geek out with someone, but actually getting to geek out with someone who is not only the creator of this fantastic series, but also just this amazing Japanese artist, it's really why I was so inspired when I saw her work. I was just really excited to see someone um, from Japan just knocking it out of the park each cover like that she made. So yeah, I'm just super psyched to get to talk to Peach in person. Uh, all right. So it's also worth noting 
that Peach was a member of the previous class of Marvel Stormbreakers, as we are currently featuring the class of 2023 on this podcast. And she is the 2021 Eisner Award winner for Best Cover Artist. It's so deserved. Um, and we are so honored that Peach chose Marvel's Voices to be her first podcast interview. So the way this works, I ask my questions in English and in Japanese. Yo Mutsu, who is Peach's partner, husband, translator, manager, translates Peach's answers into English. It's his voice you'll hear in the conversation. Peach and Yo are such a dynamic duo and often collaborate together with Marvel. Uh, all right, so I can't wait to hear this. Let's get started. Peach, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting Peach. We're very excited. I'm so happy to be able to speak with you because I'm such a fan of your work. Thank you. I'd like to start off by asking, when did you first know you wanted to be an artist? So when Peach was around middle school, she wanted to work something within the art world. Um, she first started interested in the fashion industry, and it just kind of progressed from there. Uh, for example, what kind of interest in fashion did you have? Peach doesn't really know what specific fashion she was drawn towards, but whatever she saw on TV or books or anything that looked really beautiful on the runway, she just noted down on notebooks, drew on her notebooks, and she just kept on, um, I guess, designing or illustrating uh, fashion and clothes when she was in middle school. I think that's really awesome because um, I personally think when I see your character designs, they have a great sense of fashion as well. So I think it comes through in your work even today. Thank you. Um, Peach has always enjoyed designing things for clothes or characters. So it's, it's like a dream come true to do character designing for Marvel. I think that's awesome because it's like uh, you're a fashion designer for the Marvel Universe in a way. <laughs> I'd also like to ask uh, if you had any other major influences in your work. Peach believes a lot of the influences were from a lot of um, anime and especially uh, Ghibli movies. Ghibli, like... Uh, Miyazaki's film has always been almost like her textbook. And she's just been so influenced by Ghibli's work. Is there like a particular favorite Ghibli movie or um, character that you have? Peach has been influenced um, and did a lot of, um, I guess, montage artwork of uh, Princess Mononoke. One of the biggest, I guess, inspirations or surprises for Peach with the uh, Princess Mononoke 
was when um Sun put blood on her cheek, and it was a very special moment for her because she's never seen too many of that kind of imagery in anime, and so she got really drawn towards that image of sun and blood on her cheek. It's a really vivid image in the movie, and I, I also remember that scene. I, it's interesting she mentions Princess Mononoke, which relies heavily on imagery of nature. Um, and I also believe that comes across a lot in your work, where you also depict nature in a very distinctive fashion. So I would love to hear more about that. In fact, do you yourself love nature? So Peach loves nature. Um, in fact, uh, we live in an area right now in Japan uh, with a lot of, I guess, forest, uh, small, but small forest, um, and a lot of um, birds. She's really comfortable where she lives right now because of the surrounding of just enough nature. She loves to hear like the birds chirping. So. It sounds like the perfect surrounding for creating art. Mm. During your childhood and when you were growing up, I heard there were family members who were also artists, such as photographers and painters. Saying that her family has some artists it might be a bit over-the-top information, but um, Peach has never met her dad's side grandpa but um he used to do a lot of oil painting and her dad also as a hobby he he loved taking photos and he went to photography school but she's not sure if they're if you can call them professional artists i think it's still wonderful to have artists in your family um and they were probably very happy that you also uh, lean towards the arts. And so I would also like to ask, um, how would you describe your own style? When did you know that you wanted to start creating art yourself? Uh, so Peach moved to America about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more, maybe 11. Um, and uh, when she married me, and we lived in America, Portland, Oregon, for about three years. And um, about a year into living in America, she had a bit of a culture shock and she started to miss Japan. And to fulfill her, I guess, Japan needs, she started to listen to Japanese folk music, started looking at Japan's photos and images online and then that's when she started to get drawn towards these Japanese images of um, school girls, their um, school uniforms. A lot of that Japanese culture started to have a big impact in her style and that's when she started to feel that she wanted to um, Portray and represent that image more and more and more. Um, like, 
And that's when she started to feel she wanted to go home, go back to Japan. And then that's when, that also within that style, she was very sad, almost depressed. And that's when her style really grew to that more darker and depressing style. I actually think it's very beautiful that、um, from your nostalgia and missing Japan, you were able to create a lot of beautiful imagery. And、um, speaking about the, some of the images that you were、uh, drawn to, for example, the girls in school uniforms, there is a bishoujo, a cultural phenomenon in Japan, the beautiful girl imagery. How would you describe this influence in your work? How do you like to depict this in your art? So that's a pretty difficult question. But、um, the bishoujo, the、uh, beautiful female imagery,、um, she's not really after depicting cute or beautiful visuals. She's more interested in the, the men- mentality, the inner, I guess, the inner beauty or inner darkness of these girls going through their adolescence, their youth. And Peach likes to depict those in- inner emotions with almost no facial expressions, like very plain expression, yet, I guess, in their eyes. You can tell their emotions. And as Peach ages, she actually, instead of the depressing part of the adolescence, she gets more drawn towards the, the dark side of what they're thinking, not just depressed, not just sadness, but like more deeper thoughts. And with her Demon Day series with Mariko, She wants to depict that kind of emotion that's going through Mariko almost with linking towards those teenagers of Japan. Thank you so much. It really comes through、um, to hear. It's, I think, a very complicated view of adolescence, and it really actually honors a lot of the internal turmoil that young people can feel.、Um, and I love the idea that. There can be all this emotion that is hard to、um, display on the face, and that actually you might keep it rather blank, but、um, there's so much more deeper inside.、Um, it feels to me that、um, we're taking a more sympathetic look of adolescence.、Um, so I really love that. I would also like to ask what your maybe high school experience was like.、Um, I'm sure by then you were already thinking of your work as an artist and maybe how those years were influencing your work then.、Mm. In high school, Peach didn't really think about too much about being a, a professional artist or anything. She was more focused on just drawing and having fun with her friends. Watching anime, reading manga, and Peach didn't really study too much, like regular, I guess,、uh, curriculum. She didn't really care for that. She was just more interested in having fun and just drawing with her friends. 
So after high school, I heard that you went to video game design school. And so were you a gamer from before? Peach doesn't feel that she's a much of a gamer. She just loved designing things and she just kind of dreamed of having a product that she designed on the shelves. And she just wanted to know how that felt and how, if that would make her happy seeing products.、Um, so she just kind of went with the flow and just went to the video game design school. Honestly, she feels that she went to the school, but she didn't really、uh, mentally prepare herself or know what was up. So she was a bit.、Uh, I don't, I don't really know how to say amakata、uh, in English.、Um, Maybe、um, a bit、um, naive, I guess, about the、um, prospect of the video game school,、uh, design school. But it seems that、um, now you work in so many different mediums that perhaps it was a great experience for you to also try designing that as well. You work in many mixed media, and I'd love to ask which medium do you Feel most comfortable with. So, with the medium, the tools, watercolor painting is Peach's go to medium. It took her time to get used to controlling it, but now she's very comfortable with it. It's actually something I、uh, think of immediately when I see her work is、um, how beautiful the watercolors are. And it's very easy for me to tell this is a Peach Momoko piece when I see her watercolors. So, I think. You've sort of mastered the medium. <laughs> Are there any differences in the process when you're working with digital mediums or、um, adapting watercolors to different projects? Um, so, Peach mainly uses watercolor.、Uh, very rarely does she work with digital. But the major part that sometimes Peach uses digital is with the、um, skin color. Sometimes, when she, she'll look for the right skin color, skin tone on the watercolor palette and paints in the color on the paper, the skin tone on the watercolor looks good. And then she will scan it. And then, once she inputs it into the digital format、um, after the scan, On paper, it looked correct, but on the screen, it kind of looked a bit off. Usually, when it goes to print, it goes by the、uh, scan image, usually. So she'll digitally alter it a little bit so it prints on the CMYK more, I guess, correct with the skin tone.、Um, so she's very careful with that. And then she feels digital. It's easy to adjust a little bit just because she can go back and forth. But she does enjoy seeing the analog, the traditional medium paper color versus the digital color sometimes. The, the differences, she enjoys it. But、um, she never really knew how to use digital until working professionally. But she still prefers doing mostly everything traditional because. Her eyes get tired after looking at a screen a bit too long. I agree. There's、um, a lot of 
it can be very convenient to work in digital format to adjust the coloring, but there's something to be said for the beauty of um, hand-painted watercolors and getting the color just right um, and trusting your own eyes looking at the paper. Mm -hmm. So I was also really delighted when I first discovered that uh, you had designed in 2019 the Upper Deck Flare Cards for Marvel. And so there were various characters that you had designed at the time, perhaps preceding some of the cover work that you had done uh, in later years. Do you remember what that experience was like? So, Upper Deck no Hanashiga Kita no Tutsen that the care? 2019, uh, Peach did the upper deck, um, and it was a sudden email. We really didn't know where they found Peach, but they wanted her to do. Peach thought it was six cards, but it was actually 11 characters uh, for upper deck. But at the time, Peach was doing a lot of. Uh, comic conventions. Uh, we were flying from Japan on a monthly basis and just doing a lot of commissions all day, all night during the hotel, just nonstop. And we just assumed they found out through there. Just really interesting, just doing events. Creates this flow sometimes,、mm. or this like meeting new people and opportunities arises if you just keep doing things. So, as Peach was attending comic conventions, she soon started to、um, desire to do cover art. And as she desired to do cover art,、uh, Upper Deck. Contacted her. So, was, and then she was like, Well, she had to prove herself、um, that she's worthy and she's good. So, she really like, put a lot of emphasis and a lot of、uh, hope in when she was doing these card designs. Love to know more about how you became interested in comics in the first place. Did you have a favorite comic book character or series that made you perhaps want to do some cover art later? So, when Peach was in、um, about 20, she found this book. Called Comics, Comics, and Graphic Novels, A History of Comic Art.、Um, and it was an imported book, and she couldn't read it. It was all in English. So Peach couldn't read anything about it, but she just flipped through the book and she saw these like, very, very like, the 20s, 30s comics to modern comics. And then she just kept looking through these artworks and then Just saw so many different styles, so many different genres. That was probably one of her very first interests into the comic world. 
This is, uh, I love this on so many levels because it really shows me that the power of art and comics. I think we tend to think of the storylines in comics and we think about the characters in comics, but we can also take a step back and look at comics as art. And you were looking at it through the lens of an artist. Mm. I also really believe that、um, there's all kinds of reading and not just reading text, but also understanding the literacy of、uh, images. So I think that it really shows the power of illustration and art in, in comics themselves. But I'd, I'd like to point out the fact that you yourself are also not just an illustrator and artist, but a writer as well. So you are the author of Demon Days, X Men. And so I'd love to ask more about your process as. An author and thinking of these storylines for Marvel characters. I So, Peach、uh, does the writing for Demon Days, but、um, she doesn't see herself as a writer or a storyteller. She's not really good at words, actually. And how Peach does all the story making and the writing for Demon Days is.、Um, She draws the image of scenes that she wants to tell in the story. So it just be like, it could be somewhere in you know, a random panel in the books. And she'll just, she wants to tell that story. And then from that cutscene or that panel that she visioned, she'll start to branch out the stories from that panel. And that goes the same with the character designs and everything. She'll, Design the character, and then from there, she'll start to visualize a story within that character. So, everything from the Demon Days series, everything started with a visual、mm. and not a story. So, so instead of coming up with a scenario or a story of a character, she will design the character. And then from the design, she'll start to picture、um, the background, why they're here, what their、uh, motive is, what their reason is in the story. And then from there, the story of that character starts to grow for her. It reminds me a lot of、um, the process of cinematography,、uh, for example, in films where you're thinking of each shot as、um, its own scene. and Taking it from there. So I think that's really a fascinating process where you're thinking visually first. So, 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 Can you speak a bit about some of the work you've done? And I think with covers, you have to portray a lot in a single image and it can be very impactful. So,、um, what do you like about doing cover art? When Peach does the cover art, Peach usually likes to do one character on the cover. Um, she obviously enjoys doing multi- multiple characters too, but、um, just one character is where she feels the most powerful and most. She, she just likes to push that one character the most. 
Um, and sometimes the challenge of doing this for her is um, how much she can portray that character in that one in that one image. And sometimes if she can find the right pose or the right emotion, then her uh, process is very quick. But uh, once in a while, she has a hard time finding not just the pose, but um, the character's emotion, the character's characteristics. She sometimes doesn't connect to the character too well. And then that's when she struggles on finding the right image of the character for the cover. There's so much thought process that goes into creating a single cover image, but I think it's no coincidence that you were selected as a 2021's um, Eisner Award uh, a recipient for Best Cover Artist. Um, I think that you're very successful in what you do, and it really does come across like you managed to portray the character in kind of their strongest element. I also love to um, speak a little bit more about Demon Days because when I was reading it, it was really fun for me to see characters that look very familiar that I can tell are Marvel characters in the Marvel universe, but they were written in the context of Japanese folklore. So I would love to learn more about how you decided to blend uh, Japanese folktales and the Marvel universe together. For Demon Days or Demon Wars, um, the character designs, um, he's just very careful that each of the, I guess, the Marvel characters in the Demon series still represents the Marvel characters' um, personality, what color they're known for. She's very careful in choosing these to fit the roles. Um, and sometimes if they have a specific item that they're known for, she wants to make sure that those items, they might look different, but those items are still there with the characters. So she's very careful that there's points of those Marvel characters' characteristics carefully placed in the uh, Momokoverse characters. And some characters are probably more obvious than others, but even the characters that's very hard to figure out, there. if you really look into it, you can actually find these points on almost every character in the books. Technically, she wants to tell everyone what each characters are. So she's always on Twitter or when someone posts on YouTube, their reviews, she's always enjoying what people are thinking which characters are which. Some are correct, some are incorrect, but even the incorrect ones are almost like, it makes sense. So it's real fun. So she feels the Easter egg hunt is all almost another layer of enjoyment that she wants the readers to see. It's like a game. Uh, one of my favorites, I hope it's not a spoiler, but uh, I loved seeing who I believe to be Venom in uh, Demon Days. And it was really fascinating to see Venom portrayed in a Japanese style. Um, and I want to mention the appearances of yokai in the stories. Um, and 
where your interest in yokai comes from. Um, there is always a section in the back of the comics where it is called the yokai files. And it does give, provide some explanation about, uh, Japanese mythos and these mythical characters, but maybe provide some hint as to, uh, the reader guessing which Marvel characters they align with. But, um, can you speak a little bit more about where your fascination with yokai comes from? From grade school, elementary school, Peach has been interested in、uh, Japanese folk tales and yokais. And every Saturday morning, for 10 minutes, there was a TV show in Japan called Nihon Mukashi Banashi, which is Japan's、uh, folk tale. And she always loved watching that TV show. And within these folk tales, sometimes they have ghost stories. And,、um, she just loved these very creepy, scary stories of these ghosts that was shown and the, on these 10 minute animations. She doesn't really know too much historically about yokais.、Um, she was just more visually Uh, drawn towards these yokai images and these,、um, folk tales. So she's always wanted to tell her own folk tale or use these folk tales as inspirations to create comics. So definitely these yokais and folk tales, especially this particular animation, 10 minute animation really inspired her to do what she does right now. To me, that's really cool because I'm familiar with the show. But、um, I remember actually, I was very scared of some of the stories when I was younger.、Um, I was、uh, afraid of the monsters and some of the ghost stories that were in it. But I love that you took the yokai and not necessarily portrayed them just as monsters, but you took a more、um, a sympathetic look at some of their backstories and、um, their origins. I think it's a Your approach to portraying Mariko Yashida in the Marvel Universe is a little bit different from before. And I'd love to know more about it. When she wanted to make a comic for Marvel, she only had Mariko in mind to make as a main character. The reason why Peach chose Mariko is not only she's a Japanese character. But she was also never a, seen as a main character. So she felt、uh, Mariko didn't have a historical, a strong historical identity yet, like her own color. So she felt Peach was able to manipulate it more because there's not too much of a historical、uh, background of Mariko. So she wanted to give Mariko her own version. And she, Peach just, just went with it and just went,、uh, made a pilot comic and gave it to CB. Oh, you're referring to Marvel editor in chief, CB Sabolsky. I believe CB didn't know that Peach wanted to do Mariko. And we just met with CB at,、uh, I think it was in Tokyo Comic Con. And Peach just randomly gave him a、uh, Mariko pilot comic. And then a few months, maybe a year or so later, CB contacted Peach to do a Mariko story. She's a really special character, I think, now,、um, after upon reading Demon Days. So, 
So, something important that Peach forgot to mention for the pilot comics, when Peach learned about Mariko,、um, her other alias was called the Scarlet Samurai. And in the pilot comic, it wasn't really about yokais, it was more about the samurai and that Mariko's ancestors. Had the samurai armor and had these souls within the samurai armor. So the pilot was supposed to be, it was originally about Mariko becoming the Scarlet Samurai more because of the ancestors' soul in the samurai armor. But when CB wanted the Mariko story to expand,、um, she kind of ditched that story. Uh, because she didn't feel it was that much interesting anymore, just focusing just on a samurai. So instead, she took that one piece of that samurai armor, which is the jaw armor,、um, and she not only did the jaw armor come from the samurai story, but she changed it into a piece of a、uh, oni, the yokai oni's jaw that got passed down generations to Mariko. So, it's still kind of the similar generation being passed down that Mariko has a special family thing going on. But she, instead of just a straight samurai family descendant, she went into these more yokai, a little bit more spiritual. So, it's more interesting to kind of tell. It's a really powerful imagery, and to imbue it with such history and the story makes it even more symbolic. And I think it's the kind of wild imagining that、um, can only exist in the Momokoverse, which I would love to talk more about.、Um, you've taken all these characters and you've given them this refreshing new history. But how did the Momokoverse come about? And what would you say are the characteristics of Marvel characters within the Momokoverse? So,、um, we don't really know how the Momoko verse came. Peach just felt comfortable telling a Japanese story and telling a Japanese folk story. And the puzzle pieces just kind of just worked. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it seems very natural, actually, the way the characters come about. in It just works for me. I agree. It, it very much is like a puzzle piece that just fits together so nicely. And、um, there's a depth to the universe that I would love to continue to see more of. And I would love to ask、um, I know Demon Days, the Iron Samurai just came out in August, but、um, I would love if you could tell us what is next for the Momokoverse. Like, who do you imagine next? Is there something that you would like to play with or experiment with in the future?、Mm-hmm. Peach doesn't really know too much、uh, what she wants to do for the next future ideas, but whatever she feels the most confident, the genre that she feels most confident telling the story,、um, she just wants to keep doing Momoko verse, basically.、Um, so something that she's more. Free to do whatever is what she wants to do. So, Peach doesn't feel that she's an artist. She sees herself as an illustrator. So, she wants to keep creating something that 
people enjoy, that people want. Of course, that Peach enjoys doing as well. And she believes that Demon Days is her series. She's not making it by herself. She has a team. She's making it with the fans. She's making it with everyone. So she just loves making, creating these stories, telling these stories with everyone's input. Of course, she wants to be the center core of the Demon Days, Demon Series concepts, the stories, everything is centered around Peach's idea. But everyone's input, everyone's concept, everyone's feedback only makes the, her story stronger. So she just loves making these stories with everyone, basically. Seems like a very collaborative process. And I do want to mention that um, I know that in 2020, you were selected to be Marvel's Stormbreaker. Uh, would you say that there's been some growth as a illustrator, as an artist um, since you were selected? And what has that experience been like for you? So becoming the Stormbreaker, um, she feels that she's grown enormously. And it was, for her at first, it was just a super honor that she was appointed to be the Young Guns project, the new Stormbreakers. The beginning, um, everything was so fast. So this pressure and the speed really taught her how to be illustrator, um, how to process these things um, in a very um, efficient way as an illustrator. And also, after becoming a Stormbreaker, she started the Demon Day series. So it was her first time working on a comic series for this long amount. So uh, the, how the panel layouts, how to tell story, how to show action, she really learned a lot within this time period. Thank you so much. It's so inspiring to see you grow as an artist. And I actually really remember when you were chosen as a Stormbreaker and I was, I became interested in your portfolio and I was looking at your art. Um, and before we finish, I do want to mention, um, I distinctly remember back in 2021, you did a how to draw live stream. I don't know if you remember, but you were drawing Psylocke live on camera for Marvel audience. And I was in the audience actually and watching you draw being so amazed at how beautifully you could portray Psylocke, this character. And uh, I even remember that you drew a chibi Psylocke at the very end um, as sort of like a, a little bonus for the audience. And so it just makes me very excited to see all the things that you can produce, all the things you will produce in the future. And I wish you a lot of luck. And again, it's been such an honor to speak with you today. I think that's it for um, the questions that I have. Um, if there's anything else you'd like to add, I would love to hear. For the fans, Peach is going to keep working hard. Um, so I hope you enjoy the covers, 
in the Demon series and anything more that's coming out from Peach. Looking forward to it so much. So thank you again. Alright, Marika, that was incredible. First, Peach and Yo, dope. Very incredible team. Right? They work so well together. I loved hearing about Peach's inspirations, how she's such a fan of good design, whether that's gaming or fashion or products. And, you know, also just getting to hear that, you know, this was a chance for Peach to speak in her own words, right? Yeah, it was amazing that she chose Marvel's Voices to be the first time that she speaks on a podcast. And you know what? I also loved hearing how she incorporates uh, Japanese folklore and just movies and television shows into her art. I was so moved by her love of nature and her quest to show women's inner beauty and strength. Also, if you want to check out the video I mentioned of Peach drawing Psylocke, you can find that on Marvel's YouTube channel. The link is in our show notes. And you can also pick up a copy of Demon Wars number one at your local comic book shop. Yes. Also, if you happen to be at New York Comic Con in October, you may have told our producers that Peach and Yo will be there. Yes, I would love to meet them in person. Also, I'm very excited to see you in person at New York Comic Con very, very soon. Um, because we're going to be having our very first Marvel's Voices no um you can read all about that uh online i cannot wait 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 i'll also be there for the women of marvel panel but all that being said marika you are a delight and such a pleasure and i love that you were able to be here and bring yourself and your culture and your passion and your true love and fandom for peach momoko to this episode thank you so much for having me it was such an incredible opportunity And before we go, we have two more fabulous Stormbreakers to hear from, Chris Allen and Federico Vicentini. My name is Christopher Allen. I am originally from Orlando, Florida, but I have lived here in San Antonio, Texas for about the last 30 years. When I was little, my mom would buy us um, Spider-Man comics. We loved the artwork so much. We would spend Saturdays tracing the, the comics, we just put them up against the window and we would trace the comics. And I mean, you're tracing John Romita Sr. So, I mean, you're just tracing the most beautiful artwork in the world. And um, when I was 16, I was in a high school art class. Shout out to Mrs. Pranky. And she knew a guy who uh, ran a local comic book publisher, a guy named Bill Black. He ran a publisher named called AC Comics. It is still publishing to this day. And um, he and his right-hand man, Mark Heike, and uh, I just made myself an absolute pest until they trained me. So uh, I've been working on comics since I was 16. I met two people who really, at conventions, who really changed the way that I thought about this and whether or not I wanted to do it. It was Mike Zeck and Will Eisner. And I, I met Will Eisner in, the, in like 1992 or 93. 
everybody wanted to be a celebrity. But when I met Will Eisner, he was just a guy in a white button-up shirt with his sleeves rolled up. He smelled of fresh starch and coffee. And he would put his arm around you. And uh, people would come up to him for his, for his autograph. And he's talking to me. And he'd say, I'll meet you at my table. I'm talking to my friend now. That's not even professionalism. That's really like reverence for the medium that like you're talking to an artist and you when you're taking time to talk to that artist, you're like, this is a moment where I'm connecting with that person. This is how you treat people who are either, you know, maybe your future colleagues or your fans. This is how you treat them. And when you meet people like Al Williamson, I met Gil Kane, Dick Giordano, John Byrne, and they're all like this. They're all these just... That, that, that's the trajectory that I wanted. I wanted to be like Gil Kane or Al Williamson. My style is classic. <laughs> My style is classic. It's, it's, it's very much influenced by Golden Age artists. It's very much influenced by like, uh, by Mac Rayboy, by like Alex Raymond, by uh, Will Eisner. Uh, big time influenced by Jerry Ordway. Uh, big time influenced by John Byrne blocking, setting blacks, telling dynamic stories. Um, and of course, especially when you go into like the Silver Age and the Bronze Age, those guys, they all go back to Jack Kirby. I would like to tell you about when I learned the importance of inclusivity and the importance of, of making sure that people are represented especially in a medium like comics where you're playing to people's imaginations and you're playing to their dreams and to this idea that there's this bigger universe out there. And it has to do with the movie Black Panther. I had gone to see Thor Ragnarok and I loved it. I had such a great time. I was laughing. I was excited. So I was on a high. And then my wife says, we have to go see Black Panther because everyone is talking about this. So we're in the theater. We're watching Black Panther. I relax back. I'm watching the movie. I'm enjoying it. And all of a sudden, he's walking down, he, he's walking past his, his Dora Milaje, he's in the laboratory, and there's, suddenly there's this lump in my throat. I'm welling up with tears, and I don't understand where this is coming from. And then all of a sudden, I realize this is what it feels like. This is what it feels like to be the king. This is what it feels like to be the inventor. This is what it feels like to be the cosmic hero, the knight, all these things completely separated from any specific life experience, but people who look like you. And that is the moment when I realized how important it is to make sure that when you are picking up a comic book, that there are people in there who look like everyone, who have every experience. And they are this tapestry of heroes. And that's one of the things that makes Marvel so special is because they really do lean into that. Marvel Comics has given me the keys to the greatest toy box in history. And there is no way I'm choosing a favorite. Bring it. Bring it. I'm ready for all of it. I'm ready for uh, Wolverine. I'm ready for the Impossible Man. I'm ready for Four Bush Man. I'm ready for the Fantastic Four. I'm ready for Beta Ray Bill. I'm ready for Pace Pop Pete. Bring it. Bring it. Mi chiamo Federico Vicentini. 
vengo dal nord Italia, precisamente il paese di Adria, e vivo ancora qui. Uh, my name is Federico Vicentini. I'm, I'm from the north of Italy, namely Adria, a town named Adria, and that's where I live currently. Io fi- fino, fin da bambino ho sempre letto fumetti. I've always uh, read comics since I was a child. And my first love in Marvel was Ultimate Spider-Man. Sì, sì, li ho sempre trovati. It was very easy to find them, namely Spider-Man, my favorite, but also, for example, Daredevil. But my favorite one is Spider-Man. Eh, no, io eh, sì, io sempre. As far as I can remember, I always wanted to draw comics. I uh, first do it, uh, did it in, independently, and then I uh, attended um, a comic school. And luckily, I've been able to, uh, to, to make my dream come true. Eh, sì, diciamo che. Prima della scuola del fumetto, Before attending comic school, I didn't have all the uh, art skills that I have now. And, but I always tried, of course, drawing my favorite superheroes. Dunque, penso sia stato nel 2000 e... The very first um, work that I uh, had published uh, it was in 2015, and it was a, a fantasy comic. That was his first job uh, performed and published ever as a professional. Io cerco sempre di, di essere più dinamico possibile. I'm trying always to be dynamic when I'm drawing, even when the, the scenes or the, the script uh, describes uh, static scenes, I'm, I'm always strive for movement and dynamic. Sì, io ehm, diciamo che. Mi piace molto guardare uh, I find very interesting to watch cartoons because they give you a, a precious hint about the definition of the scene and how the movement is uh, has to be drawn. Anche sì, anche ma più che altro Being, uh, Spider-Man an, an urban character and since he, he evolves in New York a city that I've never been to but I i love I'm trying to uh, describe it as much as possible. Ok, come hai scoperto di essere stato accettato nel progetto Marvel Stonebreaker? Eh, attraverso un'email. Io non, cioè, adesso non so come funziona, non so se I don't know if you can name names or situations, but it was through an email that I got around midnight and uh, I didn't sleep. Non ho più dormito. <laughs> Eh, beh, prima di tutto mi hanno dato la possibilità di the possibility to uh, uh, to get in touch even more with Miles, a, a character I, I I'm in love with. And as for the rest, I still have a clue, but I will find out probably. Okay. For now I am told I'm on Miles. The rest is uncertain. Non lo so. Translation provided by Fabrizio Iacona. that I have to say you don't want to miss next week's episode for our season finale yes our season finale we are already there but I gotta say we're gonna end with a bang because we have the talented Preeti Chibber who will be talking with award-winning 
best-selling author E.B. Zaboy, who is the author of Okoye to the People. Um, she is a Haitian American who grew up in New York. And man, you do not want to miss this convo. See you next week. Marvel's Voices is produced by Isabel Robertson, Cara McGurk-Allison, and me, Angélie Crochet. Our senior manager of audio production and development is Brad Barton. Our production manager is Larissa Rosen. And our executive producer is Jill Duboff. Our theme music was composed and performed by Kamau Wainaina. <laughs>